everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of the Backyard Banter Podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. Uh, we've been going through essentially like the who's who of the football writing industry, the fantasy football community, and talking to a bunch of different people to get their perspectives on how they got to where they are. Here we've got a, a guest that's, I would say, a little different. Maybe off the wall is even uh, the better way to say it. Today we're joined by Uncle Chaps of... Uh, of, of great fame. I mean, really, this feels like the most celebrity we've had on the podcast so far. <laughs> so, Chaps, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you were definitely somebody that I highlighted as someone I wanted to have on the podcast. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what, like, you know, the perspective of the show has mostly been like, how did you get your job? How did you get that? I don't know what the hell we're talking about. How did you get, how did you become, you know, essentially the greatest uh, fake reporter in, in NFL history? Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about your perspective nonetheless. But chaps, I always kind of start the, um, I always kind of start the show asking the guest, how did you come to, you know, get the bug for football? Or how did you come to fall in love with the sport in general? Oh man, um, I as long as I can remember, football's been like a part of me. You know, like I some of my earliest memories growing up is sitting at my grandparents' house. My my, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, so most people there are big Gator fans. But I, because anything my dad did, I wanted to be the opposite. So he was a big Gator fan, so I became a Florida State fan. And I remember sitting in with my family, like on Thanksgiving or whenever watching Florida State games, Florida Florida State games, and my grandpa, who's a Southern Baptist minister, being so irate at me because I would cheer when Florida State would score, and he would be so mad. And it was the only time that you would ever really see him get angry was when I would, like, clown his team in front of him and my dad, and they would just be so pissed, and it made me so happy to make them angry. So I guess yeah, from, from five or six years old on, I guess I – football's been a part of who I am. There's something about being uh, the contrarian that I definitely, I definitely appreciate, uh, even if it's annoyingly so. Um, yeah, growing up in Washington, like the D.C. area, that was the one thing I was like, I'm definitely not going to be a fan of, of their, you know, professional football team. And, but I'm also not going to be, you know, the jackass, like a Cowboys fan, but certainly yeah. Washington for, <laughs> for a number of, of different reasons. But it's, it's definitely interesting. So obviously, you know, Jacksonville came to, uh, or the Jaguars came to Jacksonville not not too long ago. But so I imagine that was kind of like a monumental moment in his fanhood as well. Oh, man. Yeah. Like when we were there in 93, 94, when the team was first announced, it was crazy, man. The, just how it overtook the city and just the buzz behind it was, it was incredible. I remember wearing Jacksonville Jaguar shoes and to elementary school, just absolutely loving everything about the team. It was great. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's it's it's so fun when the team kind of takes over a city. That's that's for sure. So I I don't really know how to steer this part of the podcast because normally this is where I would ask the person like, how did you get the idea to cover the sport? But obviously that's not uh, that's not what you do, chaps. But we'll we'll just dig into your your kind of life. So so tell us the. Tell obviously if people know the uh, in the armed forces, let's let's dig into that a little okay. bit. Uh, just, I guess, what what was the impetus behind that? Where did where did where did you get the idea to to do that? To what was the question? It broke up. Where did you get the idea? Yeah, like to just what what drove you to want to serve? I guess. Okay, so when I, a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people know, but before I 
joined the Marine Corps, I was actually studying to be a pastor, like being in the ministry and like Christian ministry was a huge thing in my family. Like a lot of guys did it. And my grandfather was a pastor for 60 years. And so I was going, I was actually in Raleigh, North Carolina at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I was thinking I'm going to graduate school in a couple months or in, in two years, I'll be 22 years old. And I'm going to be expected to lead people on matters of faith without really having any real life experiences of not doing anything. So I'm going to be 22 years old telling guys that are in their forties and fifties, like how they should live a moral life and like all these things. So I was like, well, I'm going to go get some real life experience and I'll take a break and I'll join the Marine Corps and I'll use that as an, a way to go and like kind of be a witness, I guess was my original idea. And then gradually throughout my time in the Marine Corps, my ideas of faith and religion started to shift and change and which happens to people that are go from being early twenties to in their thirties, like what they think about the world and their worldview change and mind change completely. And so it ended up being that the reason that I joined the Marine Corps gave me more life experience that I could have ever dreamed. And it changed my entire outlook on life. So, yeah, that's that, I bet that is something that a lot of people don't know about you as far as the, yeah, I don't think you would read my Twitter feed and assume, oh, that guy was probably <laughs> going to be a pastor at some point. <laughs> so, I, 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 if you're if you want to, if you're comfortable talking about it, that I find that really interesting, just because I was actually like a religion minor in school, and uh -huh. just always been fascinated by, and I, I've gone through different periods of uh, of my faith as well. I don't really know what the hell to define myself as, but how did your perspective on faith change when you were in the Marine Corps? Um, I guess. And it's hard to like really pinpoint it. I've tried to do it before where you pinpoint, I guess it was just steady little shifts of the idea of Christianity where the only way to get to heaven would be through Jesus. And then you go through, you go to different countries like Iraq and you go to Afghanistan or Djibouti, Africa, and you're seeing what these people are going through and you think how narrow minded that really is. And you try to wrap your head around like, how can a loving God send this person to hell for doing this? And so it just really kind of messes with you for a while. And I had tried to do everything that I could and like saw all this bad things happening and tried to balancing out. And eventually I just came to the point where I, I don't even know the day or when it was that I just found myself not believing in anything. And I wouldn't say that I was like, I'm totally against religion. Um, we take when we want to take our kids to expose them to everything um, just to be better citizens of the world. So I'm not against religion by any means, but it's I just got to the place over probably the period of five or six years where I just decided that this isn't really for me anymore. So, yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you see when you see the world and you get different perspectives. It's, it's hard to know, like where you stand. That That's for sure. I it's just filled with, it's a it's a it's a space that's filled with a lot of questions i guess yeah. for me still especially um but asking questions is is certainly never a bad thing i would guess but you know we're i don't know where i guess we're all kind of working through that but so in the marine corps obviously you, you had a hell of a lot of experience that i certainly cannot identify with but uh you know you you probably learned a lot while you're over there right oh yeah no for sure i did um a lot about who I was as a person and what my worldview was going to be. Um, I'll tell you this, like what the day that I got shot, it completely changed how I interacted with 
people who I viewed as being close with me, family members, everything. Um, once I got to the stage of nearly dying, I thought about, is this person in my life because they make me better? Are they going to be a better part for me? Are they going to do things that enrich my life and the quality of my life? Are they going to help my children become better people? And if I came to the ultimate conclusion, still now I use this, if you're not going to make me better or make my family better, or I don't see you in the process of getting better yourself, I don't have any room for you to be in like my close circle. And I still do that now. And it's made my life much more happy. Like when I go home, I visit people that I want to, not people that I feel obligated to. And it's, it's been really good for us. Yeah. That's, that's really key. Like prioritizing people, especially as you, especially as you get older, I feel like that becomes more a part of your, of your worldview, I guess. And I mean, for me, obviously it's, you know, it's different, uh, but yeah, like when I went, when I went back from my road trip across country, I think that was like the most frustrating part of like being, which is a stupid thing to kind of feel frustrated by, but it was like the most frustrating part was, was being home and being like, ah, do I have time to see all these people? You know, do, like who, who do I not have time to hang out with? Which seems so stupid, but it's, you know, it's a part of, no, uh, I mean, and people that haven't moved far away, they don't understand that struggle. And I would come back after living in Japan for four years or being in Iraq or being in Virginia and come back to Florida. And I felt like the entire time I was on vacation at home, I was driving in in between places. And eventually I just said, fuck it, man. Like, this is where I'm going to be. If you want to come chill, come chill. If not, I don't give a shit either. Like, if I can, <laughs> if I can fly 18 hours, you can drive your happy ass 45 minutes. I'm not going to do it. Right. That's, that, yeah, that's, that's so true. Like, like, just being like, listen, I came all the way here. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, just, I just drove from California. Can you drive to Fredericksburg or Stafford or something? You know, like, help yeah. me out a little bit. Yeah, seriously. I'm, I'm racking up miles on this damn car and I'm, I'm not trying to. Um, yeah. But I guess, so, you know, obviously the, the being shot at its story, let's let, just tell a story for people that might not be familiar with it, even though this is, you know, like your, I don't know, 10th podcast appearance talking about it or whatever. But uh, t- t- tell that story for people that might not be familiar with it. Um, all right. So my job in the Marine Corps was to be an explosive dog hammer. And so we would go looking for IEDs, essentially. Um, we would look for IEDs or weapon caches, and we would do um, close quarters combat with raids and entry onto houses, just normal infantry stuff. And we, I was with 1st Recon Battalion, and we would take houses to get overwatch on the areas to look for possible IEDs or to get ourselves more uh, land space is what you would call it. So where we were just occupying more and more territory where we were trying to push the bad guys that were really in Fallujah at the time out of Fallujah and move them and separate their elements of power. Well, a lot of times when you do that, there's only certain houses that are big enough on high enough hills where you can have a lot of overwatch. And when you do that, you open yourself up to attacks as well. So some guys had dug in and crawled through canals to get us and they surrounded our house and I had just laid down after coming in like 12 or 13 miles. I don't remember how far exactly it was at this point. It would be actually next week. It'll be nine years since it happened. So a lot of it's like, <laughs> like you kind of, this is a good counterpoint. Like you kind of get to the point where in your mind things happened, but like trying to relay it in the exact way that it did without having any type of hindsight bias about what you did or 
how oh, your yeah. memory has shifted. It's so hard because I'm like, fuck, I've told this story so many times. Like, has any, any detail changed? Because I want it to be like exactly the same, you know, but you, it's hard to do that. Um, so anyways, so the people had surrounded the house and they shot the house and one of the bullets went through a window and hit me through my arm and uh, spun me around and I had to tie a tourniquet to my to my arm to stop the bleeding. And uh, we were getting mortar fired too. They had brought mortar tubes and we're dropping mortar rounds, which if you don't know what a mortar round is, it's kind of like a little bit bigger of a grenade. Um, so those were dropping in on the houses and you could hear it like shattering over the top of the house. And so I had to make the decision, did I want the helicopters to come now or could, did they wait? And I decided to wait and I couldn't take morphine. So I went without morphine at, after getting shot for like two hours and then eventually got surgery. And I decided to stay in Iraq instead of leaving early so I could be like in the command center because you could see with drones over the top where your guys are going, you could see small heat signatures from IEDs. So I wanted to look and help talk to dog handlers that replaced me, like where to go, like what was the best route for them to get there and things like that and just help, help do training. That was, it's intense. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I was listening to, um, I was listening to the the second season. <clears throat> excuse me. I was listening to the second season of Serial on my on my drive. Which I know you have a lot of thoughts about about yeah. the, that whole situation in general, and it's definitely not a clear cut thing at all. Uh, but just listening to it, the the one thing that I took away from it the most was like, holy shit! I have no like empathy with it. I I have no like I have no way to relate to this story. Like my I feel like my life is just so cushy after listening to that. I guess you know, and it's. And I do too now, like when I hear, when I hear about stories of like my friends are still going over and like, I just saw one dude, he's going on like his 10th deployment to Afghanistan. I'm just like, God, dude, like I can't imagine like with how much I only did one deployment, like how, how much that really must affect your mentality. I mean, you're talking about seven, seven months out of every year for 10 years. I mean, that's just, it's, it's insane. Like, yeah. The, so I don't, I, I mean, I feel like I'm so far removed now and I tell this to my wife, like, I feel like legitimately I've lived three lives. You know, I had my, my Southern Baptist life of where I was doing like ministry stuff. And then I had my Marine life and now I have life as chaps and like dad. So like I had, I've had like three legitimate lives before 35. So it doesn't even feel like me anymore. Like that, the right. war side doesn't even feel like who I am. No, I can kind of relate to that too. And I feel like when you have like a big, like just cataclysmic sort of life change or I don't know, when you have some of those things that take place in your, in your existence, you, you do feel like you've lived two lives I, I, or three in your case. Like, I feel like, I feel like that for, for different parts of my story as well. But I think, I think the one thing I'd like to kind of dig into too, especially with your service was like the, the dog relationship because obviously I'm a dog person. Yeah. My stupid dog is here, uh, running around making a lot of noise right now, which is slightly annoying. Um, but what what was the relationship with the dogs like? You know, it was it was awesome. <laughs> you see, I would see guys at work um, that were like my counterparts, same rank and same time and experience, and they'd be throwing 60, 70 pound bags on and going for ten mile walks for the day for their job or going out to the range and then. They would, or they like, cause I was an MP too, or they would be out on a gate, like checking IDs 
and I would go to work at six o'clock in the morning. And the, my very first thing course of business at work was to feed my dog. Like how many people that's the start of your work day is to go grab some food, bring it to them, give them some fresh water, let them eat, take them out, let them do his business. And then your legit job for the next hour and a half is to toss a ball or go for a run or something like that with the dog. <laughs> like to start your day as a Marine and your real responsibilities for the first two or three hours is to exercise and feed a dog. That's pretty damn dope. So, so then yeah. we, would, <laughs> we would get him and put him up. And then in the afternoon, we would go out and go train to find bombs or drugs or whatever dogs we were training that day. So all we would do is it's basically detection for bomb dogs and drug dogs is playing hide and go seek with the dogs. Like we're hiding the bombs inside a car or we're hiding the drug material inside of a car, going through a parking lot full of cars and looking for the little stick of C4, looking, going through an entire barracks and looking for half a pound of weed or some cocaine or meth or whatever we're looking for. So it was basically playing hide and go seek with the dog, just wearing a military uniform and having like military customs and courtesies, but you're just playing with the dog all day. So it was fantastic. So you get, you, to answer your questions about the relationship, you do get incredibly close. Um, like for example, when, when I got shot, it was very difficult for the corpsman to get to me because Psyche, my dog's name was Psyche. Psyche knew something was wrong. Like he could tell like dad's bleeding shit, you know, like, so he was, and he's trained to attack too. So he is sitting like real aggressive posture, growling his ass off as soon as anybody is coming close to me because he doesn't want anybody to hurt me. So like I'm telling him, stop, stop, you know, like giving him the commands to stop and, like pulling a ball out of my pocket that I would keep to give to somebody else to like distract them to tie them up into a corner so they could work on me some like they could do initial stuff. So yeah, you get really, really close and their instincts to protect the handler is phenomenal. I mean, there was times that we had all the nice equipment in the world, you know, we had the thermal vision, we had the night vision where we could see the thermal vision through the scopes of our weapons and sometimes we still couldn't pick up what was behind the bushes, but Psyka almost always could. Like if we would be coming down, he would alert and turn his body like sharply so, to tell me that somebody was there. And we would see like some kid in the river at night, like using the, using the restroom in the river that we didn't pick up and just things like that. You don't know how often that kind of stuff can really save your life. So the bond that we had with a dog was invaluable. They are invaluable piece of equipment. No. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Um, it's, it's so fascinating just the connection that you can make with an animal and, uh, especially dogs, like, cause they're just so stupid loyal. Um, yeah. even, <laughs> even to a fault, uh, like in, like in your uh, specific example, it's, you know, I, I definitely, for selfish reasons, always want to hear good dog stories. That's, uh, that's for sure. But so what, Jeff, it's kind of, what, one oh, good, one good dog story that I've never told. Uh, so when I when you get back when I got back to Japan after leaving Iraq, Saika, I was getting ready to also um, do a permanent change of station to Virginia. So Saika, the dog belongs to the base, like he doesn't go with the handler. So if I'm leaving, Saika stays there in Japan. So Saika had I had been back for like three weeks, and Saika had his new handler already. So we're out in this big field, and 
the new handler and Saika are practicing doing aggression training. And Saika is like midway getting released to go attack the dummy. And I'm probably a hundred yards away. And I just go, <laughs> and like he knows the distinctness of my voice and immediately breaks off from what he's doing and like does like a full bodied sprint, like over to me and like jumps up. It was really awesome, man. And the new handler's like, come on. He's like, what am I supposed to do? He's like, you guys have been together forever. And so he's like trying to call Saka back and Saka's just like, fuck you, dude. Like, no way. <laughs> he's like, this is my dad, bro. Like my dad called me. I got to go see what's up. Uh, that's awesome. That's a, uh, that's the, like, st stories like that are just kind of the, just epitome of what dogs and uh, what dogs are. And, uh, I love that. It's, it's so cool. Like just that, nope, got to got to see what more, my person needs. Got to yeah. see what my person is, yeah, exactly. what they want. I don't know. Oh, it's so it's so awesome. Um, I could literally sit here and just talk about dogs for the rest of the podcast, but I do want to get into you chaps. I mean, the, talked about like that that part of your life the, mm -hmm. the first two segments of your life but let's let's dig into the current one the third okay. the third thing and like honestly chaps i was seeing the other day like you have twenty thousand twitter followers that's is is that like not the fucking craziest thing you've ever you've ever seen yeah i i don't know where the turn really happened because like now i see guys that used to have me blocked like some of the bigger named uh like football writers that used to have me block and now they follow me and interact too. And it's almost like there was sort of an accept, like I think it was when I finally got Schefter on ESPN and Jay Glazer was really cool about it. I think that was like a huge shift. It made Dan Carson's article too. I think yeah. where they explained like a little bit of my background, but there was a big shift somewhere where it was like chaps is just a troll. He's kind of an asshole. And then people were like, Oh, maybe it's not that bad after all. Maybe we take ourselves a little bit too seriously. But there was a big shift, and I don't know when exactly it happened, but I think that was about the time. Yeah, there's a couple points that you made in there that I definitely want to hit on uh, and, and dig into a little bit. But let's let's start at the grassroots portion. So, like, what? how the hell did Uncle Chaps become Uncle Chaps? Well, my name came from Chaps McNeely was a drinking name that I had when I was in the Marine Corps. So we would go out and we would use fake names in case one of us got in a fight or got a little bit too drunk, where if we were using our Marine names, like our actual names, the very first thing that they would see was that we were active duty Marines and they would contact our command and then we would get in trouble. So we would just try to keep it like as low key as possible. Um, so then when I got a Twitter account, like I just went with that name because I didn't want to use my name because I was still active duty and I didn't want to piss somebody off and then them contact my same thing. They didn't contact my command. I tried not to use my my real name on social media. Um, but Jaguars Twitter, like I was really involved with that at first. I mean, I just got in, started following like Alfie Crow and Jeremy Nettles, who's Teal Talk and uh, Noobs and Dilla and just a, Andy Willis, like a bunch of those guys that are like big names and within Jaguars Twitter. And I saw some of those guys, noobs, Dilla and Willis, they would change their names. Um, like Andy Willis was the original, like Adarn Schefter. <laughs> like, so he was like one of the first, like to really do it. And they would do that kind of thing all the time. And we would just do it with local Jaguars beat writers, just to fool like other Jaguars fans. So like Gene Fernet or, Vito Salino or like we would use those guys and then 
I used, I don't remember what it was, but I used, I think rap sheet and it took off and then it just kind of became like a part of my persona somehow. I don't really know how, but it became, I mean, cause I have like 117,000 tweets and not most of them are, are like that, you know, but that would be the first thing that people point to is like, Oh, this is the guy that fakes people out on tweets. Yeah. I'm trying to even think like when I first noticed you were doing, cause you and I have followed each other for like three years now, which yeah. is, it's just also like kind of mind blowing sometimes when you think back, like, Holy shit, I've been on Twitter, uh, for and doing this bullshit, whatever we're doing, uh, for, for a long time now. Uh, but no, it's, it's, so I don't even really know when when you uh, when you started doing it either. But the thing I think for and some people like completely don't understand this perspective. But I like I don't find I don't find the fake accounts like dawning to me. And maybe it's just like a personal like we have like a relationship. So I, maybe I'm just biased. But like you've always been way better at it and uh, more entertaining at doing it than the other accounts. Yeah, I don't know how. I mean. It's strange like that. I think what's better about mine is the interaction that comes afterwards, like how you play with the people that are responding to it or the angry people are the best. Yeah. So if you play up that part, I think that's what made, I guess, mine a little bit different was how I reacted to the people who were faked. Um, <laughs> I think that's what people enjoy more so is not the fake tweet itself, but the the aftermath of the fake tweets, the responses like for instance the myrtle beach picture or really the cleveland picture <laughs> <laughs> when people are like trying like so desperately to show how smart they are like no that's actually not myrtle beach no shit right. dude there's like a million people <laughs> in the street and there's like twenty thousand people that live in myrtle beach like it's clearly not a celebration for coastal carolina winning the college world series but people <laughs> want to show how smart they are and it's usually the dumbest people who do that or they're having yeah. a really dumb moment. And that's one thing that I've really enjoyed lately is really coming to grips with how people just constantly want to show I know this information and no one else does. You know, like I, I really cracked the code that everybody is wearing garnet and gold for the Cavaliers, but it's not actually Coastal Carolina. Yeah, what was it recently? Like somebody uh, embedded one of your tweets about like a yeah. was it in an article. I, yeah, for complex I, sports. Yeah. Yeah, what was it for? Uh, for the Spurs head coaches. Yeah, for, for Tim Duncan retiring. Oh right, right, right. Uh, yeah, I saw that, and I, I, I was just like, God, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what to say. Just God damn it, chaps! Like this. <laughs> and I, I wrote there. I wrote the sports editor for complex and i was like man i'm so sorry <laughs> like it was just so unintentional you know i was like i'm like dude i felt i legit felt bad because the editor there is a really cool guy and yeah <laughs> it's like that article is going to be really embarrassing but luckily it blew up fast enough where people not on twitter didn't see it so it was yeah it was gone pretty quickly oh god i, I so it was so funny and uh, yeah let's just dig into like some of the greatest hits of of chaps like i for me because i like kind of experienced it firsthand i always go back to like the first one that just like like absolutely killed me was when handle um because i I don't know like i've told you this a little bit but 
and I've told other people this too, but it was honestly the most hilarious thing. Cause I like, at that point, I feel like a lot of people in the office really didn't know who you were or, or what you like, what, what you were, what you did. And like when you got the NFL handle for the Des Bryant thing, so mm-hmm. you just like basically like a super innocuous, like Des Bryant's going to, going to, you know, be practicing this week or whatever. And the, at the re, like at NFL handle with like 2 million something followers retweeted it. It's like when because I, I I looked at it like because I was on Twitter at the time I was like oh my god that's that's chaps that they just retweeted and like people and it was like a because when things happen in the newsroom it's it's like a it, it really is like a progressive wildfire I guess and finally somebody realized like it's not rap sheet it's a fake account fake account and like people are yelling across the room like. Andrew Siciliano like goes, who the hell is Uncle Chaps? Like, take that tweet down. I I was gonna have, I was honestly having like a heart attack. I, it was so because, like I said, I've I've followed you for years now, and like all these other people are like, who's Uncle Chaps? Take that tweet down. So that was probably that that one will always be a peak moment for me. And you know, when that happened, when that incident happened, I thought someone had changed their handle to the NFL shield and did their handle as like the national football league and did like a screenshot and send it to me and then i looked more i was like oh my god it's the actual the actual one that did it and then my mention started blowing i think sigmund was the first one that told me that you had relayed that story to and we we were both laughing about that one that was a good one yeah it was a good time yeah i still have the screenshot of uh of like when i when i saw it and just clicked it on my phone real quick because and the I think that's a you touch on a good point there that it kind of it's almost like the community has embraced it where like everybody wins like if a bunch of people get fooled like there's so many people yeah. now like within our Twitter circle that are like yeah we did it again because like you know like people retweeted on purpose they know at this point that it's me but they're like I want to add to the fire and it's like we're yeah. doing it collectively together and so. Yeah, I always hesitate, like, because I remember one time you you got me during the during the preseason. It was something with, uh, or yeah, the 2015 preseason. Like it was some uh, like Michael Bennett's uh, traded from the Seahawks is traded to the Jaguars. And I quote tweeted that and like, ah, oh, son of a bitch, because it's kind of like it's a good it's a good moment for yourself to be like. You know, because that's the other thing too. It's like I don't feel bad for anybody that gets chaps because just look at the damn handle, you know, yeah. take that extra two seconds, like to not, to not hit the retweet button right away. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes like debate, like do I want to tweet chaps and add to the fire or do I just want to let it happen uh, organically and kind of watch from the sidelines? Um, that's always, it. but so the ESPN one, let, let's talk about that. Cause that's, that's obviously a huge chaps moment. And I have to say, like, I kind of missed out on that. I was taking a post burrito nap. Uh, during, <laughs> during you know, the ESPN. You know, I honestly, I honestly did too. Like I missed a majority of it because I was like, I, cause usually I would only leave the fake handle and picture up for like a minute or two, maybe. Well, my daughter had been called um, from school that I needed to go pick her up cause she was sick. So I had just changed it and then her, my phone rang and I had to go pick her up from school. So I ended up leaving it for like 20 or 25 minutes up. And when I got out of picking her up from the daycare, I looked at my phone and I had so many text messages and direct messages and people like you're on ESPN. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? And so then I figured out what happened and I was like, Oh my God, man, like 
And then I turned, I turned on ESPN and saw some of the backlash that how mad Schefter was. And it was, it, that made it, cause I, I mean, at this point now, I don't even really like to do sports because it's kind of, like you said, with a lot more followers, it's a lot easier like to have that yeah. information go spread quickly. So it's not even really like that fun anymore, but that one was perfect just because of Schefter's reaction. It made it so good. <laughs> he was just so mad and oh, was so mad. His yeah. face was so red. <laughs> oh, he was furious. And it's like, especially working on, like working at NFL and like seeing how things go, the network side, like my one thought throughout was like, how the hell did nobody flag that? Like that, because, you know. That's why I didn't. That's why I didn't feel bad. Like you have, especially at ESPN, how many interns, how many social media people, how many reporters on the desk, the person that's putting it up on the teleprompter, like so many ways to check, and you don't. Yeah. And then it made it perfect because he explained the process of what was going on behind the scenes, clearly showing that he had no fucking idea what was actually happening. And I like to think that I saved the Jaguars from making that bad contract anyway like i like to think that i saved us and because without that we probably don't get ramsey and jack um so like looking back i think it was like it was probably a good thing yeah you're you're basically a hero essentially uh for, for yeah that. i mean i, I don't wear for a cape reason. but it's as close as it gets yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it was yeah like that's the thing to me how did nobody just just like take the glance you know the little like right just that's it I I don't know either, man. Like I, I try to trace it back. Like when one really goes popular, like I try to trace it back to who was the retweet that led to that has like the most respected name. And I think that one was uh, Michael Wright who covers the Spurs now and used to cover the Jaguars and covered uh, the bears for ESPN Chicago. So I yeah. think it was him. Like that was, because he retweeted it pretty fast, so <laughs> yeah, right. Like, but, my, but, but you were saying about the about like the Jaguars were actually going to make that contract, uh, and then they they didn't essentially. Yeah, and I think that because Tony Khan tweeted at me like, "You might think you're helping Chaps, but you're not. Trust me, you're not." Like he, <laughs> so I'm thinking that they were like pretty deep in, and then maybe New York saw it because I mean, you know, a lot of the teams have. NFL coverage on, they have NFL network or ESPN, especially on those busy days. And maybe they, one of the giants happened to see that and they up their offer and called at the last minute, you know, like to try to get in there because the number that I reported, I thought was ridiculous because I yeah. have also learned that the higher the contractor, like the more severe something is the trade, the faster people are to retweet it. Cause they're like, Oh my God. And they hit that button real quick, you know? So oh, I'm yeah. thinking, because what they actually signed him for was it was I think it was like ten or fifteen million more total contract than what I had even thought would have been insane to sign. Yeah. Oh, is it? It was a, yeah. It was atrociously high, and yeah, it, that's that's the good point. Like the probably the most the more like outlandish, but not too outlandish that your yeah. that your tweet is that'll it'll get. So that kind of is like the art of it, right? And there's different there's way there's different ways like each reporter tweets and I've heard you talk about that before too like you have to take that into account as well. Mhm. Mm yeah, because people will pick that up. You like the syntax and how they put it together and um 
the choppiness of it or how they if they use hashtags if they don't use hashtags because you see it you see it all the time and you want to make it as innocuous as possible i guess to fool somebody and that's what makes like the political season this time hard because you can almost not put anything so ridiculous about donald trump how do you satire that? Like at this point, like, what do you do? Like today he had two misspellings of waste and there, like, how do you satire that appropriately? And well, like you can't, I, I feel bad for the guys at SNL because doing a satire in this political season, you almost have to go the opposite way. Like and make Trump to be like some super serious, like no personality dude. Cause you can't out Trump Trump, you know? No, he is, he is a, a true like parody of himself. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if it's a word, but he's unsatirable. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge for you. You know, you gotta it's a, you gotta rise to the occasion. I think one time this is a really funny thing. Like watching watching your account go through the transformation is hilarious because I don't know what like I was watching you like go like become Hillary Clinton one night, and I'm like, oh my yeah. god, he's about to do it. I don't even know how it happened, but I think, like, I just happened to click on your on your profile and, like, saw that your avatar was Hillary Clinton. I was like, oh shit, it's coming. Uh, <laughs> but, your, but your name was still Chaps. I was like, oh no, we're about to, something's about to happen. Like, watching you go through <laughs> it's, it's really funny. But, so yeah, like you mentioned, what is, like, what's next? What's what's next for for what's your next white whale after kind of conquering the sports world like essentially uh calling the presidency for the wrong candidate maybe that i mean that's about <laughs> i don't really know man like i like i told some other people like i think i'm done with the changing the avatar and everything for the sports world um just because it gets to the point like it's not like it's not very fun for me anymore and Honestly, yeah. it destroys my mentions for the entire day. So if I want to talk to somebody, like talk to my Twitter pals, it's harder to because my mentions just keep going and going and going. And it just get it's gotten to the point where it's almost annoying for me to do that. Right. So I don't know. I, maybe my account will take a a turn, but maybe not. Who knows? I'm really liking I'm really liking doing jokes about poop still so that'll be a continuous part of the brand like poop jokes will always be there well that, thank god uh <laughs> i i think that like one i guess what's funny to me is just how people react to it like you said that's because it's so whether it's like the uncle chaps or crying jordan you know like that was another thing too um still still pro crying jordan uh they just have to be better like they have to be really creative like you can't just throw up the 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 crying Jordan like app and throw it on somebody's face. Like you, you can't cry in Jordan, my dog when he's like, when he's at the grand Canyon. Okay. That's not like, yeah. that's not clever. Uh, right. It's gotta be good. Um, yeah. I agree. Like the like, one where they made the 17th hole at the masters where they, that was amazing. one of the best ones ever. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Another good recent one was like the San Jose sharks. Like the, the oh, like yeah. when they actually, yeah, that was, that was a that really, was good really good one. Good one. Yeah, the, there's still there's still some good ones. Um, I was like, I got somebody or not somebody, Matt Franciscovich, my coworker, threw crying Jordan on me when I was holding up my horse feed uh, snack that I like this like bullshit little rice thing that I eat during the day uh, to sustain myself while while they while they keep me chained to my desk at, at NFL. 
Um, and I was like, you really should, like, he threw the crying Jordan face on me. I was like, you really should like crying Jordan each individual pellet in there. Yeah. Cause that would have been funny. Like there's still, you, you still can do it. Yeah. The effort has got to be there, especially with the app. It became a lot easier. So yeah. you just, it's a cheap laugh if you don't do it. Otherwise you got to go out. Like I was talking to my, my wife the other day about that, that it's the obvious joke that that's, what's really funny to see now for me is, how many people will make the same exact joke in response to one of my jokes? Like, I I love it so much. Or like how many times Cecil the lion is mentioned like to me a day. (laughs) It's just incredible. Like the amount of like, like I've seen, I see probably 60 to 70 links of Cecil the lion tweets every day still <laughs> and i think i will for the rest of my life like i really will never forget cecil the lion at this point <laughs> <laughs> right you actually can't you actually can't forget at this point um for all the yeah, for all the never forget because i absolutely will not i'll be on my deathbed probably like there goes chaps now i can finally see cecil like that'll probably be my actual like obituary like everything else in my death <laughs> in my life but i'll be tied to cecil the lion at my death <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you have like several. Obviously, the, the the fake reporter thing was was probably what what was your rise to power. But there were several other like, just there there are so many other little side jokes now at this point. Um, even like smaller ones where where you say like, I have no I have no tweets for you at this time, or like, please do not at me during yeah. uh during the following. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That shit's so funny. Like it's so funny to me. So what's what's going, like of all your of all the side jokes or whatever whether it's cecil the lion or now you're now you're on the the gorilla thing i don't even know what you're i don't even know what you're doing there but uh like what's what's your favorite like side bit i guess or maybe your three favorite uh i i really like the national coffee day is one of my favorites for sure like every day i think i think I went back and counted i think it was like 60 something days in a row i did national coffee day and that was I still get National Coffee Day tweets now. That was a really good time because it got to the point where I like the evolution of a joke where it's funny and then it's played out and it's not funny anymore. And then everybody knows that I know that it's played out and not funny anymore, but I'll still do it. And so then it gradually becomes funny again. (laughs) Like, But you really have to eat it for those like, 40 days where you just, I just know people are like, fuck man, again, like national coffee day again. And then they don't expect, and then it just keeps coming. And then, and then I think it, at least it does for me. I don't know if it does for other people, it becomes funny again. Um, so national coffee day is good just because it was such a long played joke. Like it took so long to develop, which I'm, I'm happy that I stuck with it. Um, that one, the, I get some really, really good ones. Do not at me when I'm doing this. Um, one guy tweeted me a picture or direct messaged me a picture of him in the labor and delivery room with his wife. And you could almost see like half of the baby like coming out of his wife. Like, do not at me while my wife's giving birth. And I'm just like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> like, that's going a little far, man. So the do not at me one is is one of my favorites right now too. So I'd say I'd have to say those two off the top and Cecil yeah. is always going to be there just because so many people like it. No, that one's, yeah, that one's just hilarious. Like 
the pictures that you like put of him like in the clouds or or whatever. I don't even know that 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 like kills me. Just I mean, it's it's so, it, oh it's the breakup a... on the plane. The breakup on the plane was a good one all timer too because people would uh, look at so like, bad. They would tell on me constantly, like every other day. Like I would be getting told on to the girl who originally tweeted it, and I'm like, I don't care, man. Like it's about the tweets. Like I'm everybody saw that original tweet and they know that it wasn't me. But again, I love it when people have to show how smart they are. And I'm like, no, this is actually new. And then somebody would tweet me like, they're like, no, it happened a year ago. And they'll link me in the article and I'll be like, well, you Photoshopped that article. <laughs> so it just like, keeps going and going. And then, and then I like it when I can like kind of draw back and everybody else in like that follows me will kind of take over of like talking to the person be like, no, that's actually new. Like I'm with him now and they'll develop like a story themselves of how they were with me when the story, when it was going on and how, that's when you how get like everybody in on the joke. Yep. Yeah, the snowballing jokes are definitely the best ones. Yeah. That's, it's, that's totally fun. And I, I do like the, with the, during the NCAA championship, like when you did the, like, this team can take solace in the fact that this is their campus with the beer. Cause like, yeah, just, because that was just so stupid, man. Like Gulf Coast, like Gulf Coast College, like was really like, well, we just lost a sweet 16 after being like a 15 seed for the first time getting here. But at least we can go back to the beach tomorrow. <laughs> like they're right. really thinking that like that team didn't care. It was just such a stupid narrative for so many lazy sports writers to have that, they're in a good location. They must not care about actually winning the tournament. Like, come on. Right. Man. Oh, yeah. It's so, it's so dumb. But, like, the fact that you have the – like, I think it was around the, the fifth one. Like, for every team that lost, you would tweet it out. I remember saying to Alex, I was like, like God damn, that is just a ton of commitment <laughs> to, to something yeah. so stupid. <laughs> It's, it's yeah. I really, you're really a, an example of, uh, of, of perseverance chaps. That's, that's, that's for sure. So it's, I don't know. And, and kind of what we were mentioning earlier, like my favorite is just the people, like the, the way it reveals things about people, like the, the reaction to it, like, you know, cause if there's one thing that I think has been said on this podcast several times, it's like, don't take yourself seriously. Like, you know, I know Eric says it best, like just take your work seriously, but not yourself. And I think the way you, are intertwined in our community is a really important thing, even if people don't notice it. And it's actually now, I mean, we, I haven't, I can't say who yet, but I actually just got hired to do more like fantasy football stuff for a company and have some other stuff in the works now that I'm done with school. So I hadn't really been looking for a job. So maybe I'll be able to come back next time and talk about uh, how it, sticking to your guns and developing your personality actually works out, you know, like it, cause there was times where I thought like maybe I should sift to be more serious and, but I didn't do it and it, it's paid off now. So it's pretty cool to have the opportunities are coming. And I know like people that are listening to yours, like, like how do you develop your own, like, like you did, you were yourself. And there's so many guys that have gotten opportunities just by being yourself. You can't be, you can't really be anybody else. You can't develop. You're the only one that's going to do reception perception. You know, like you got to find right. your own little niche. And and mine was telling poop jokes and like trying to make people laugh and occasionally talking about football. I think I I have 
if you look like on the Twitter analytics, 96% of my followers would fall under NFL fans. And I rarely talk about football like on yeah. Twitter. And those are some of my favorite comments when I actually do say something like a serious football comment. Somebody would be like, what the hell is this? You know, like <laughs> an, an actual football opinion. Oh, yeah, that's that's the, that's the best. And so wait, have you have you cleared it with uh, NFL.com that you'll be writing somewhere else? Oh, yeah, I, I didn't sign a non-compete, so it's totally fine. Okay, that's that's good. I, you know, because there, you know, there are certain HR violations we, we can or can't do. But no, that's that is that's another thing too. Like that's hilarious that some people actually think that you're an NFL employee, and like when they'll add the NFL handle and be like, "Oh, this person needs to be terminated." <laughs> yeah, that that was a story that um, Big Cat from Barstool was he he tweeted out that El Prez was listening to my podcast and he. Was like, who's this dude that works for the NFL that doesn't ever talk about football on his podcast or talk about anything about football on his Twitter or like anything that he ever writes? And uh, and so Big Cat was like going through like all the writers, like just pulled up the masthead and was like going through all the writers at NFL.com. He's like, no, no, it goes by like pork chop or something. And he was talking about he was talking about me. He's like, yeah, man, like the people that think I. That or they'll tweet the NFL like I can't believe you have this guy working for you and it's just so great. Incredible, it's, people are it's, people are just just beautiful, um, and insane. I that is that is great and like just kind of rat, winding down here, uh, chaps. Like I don't know, it's it's so funny to go through your 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 entire persona. Like I remember tweeting at you like when I was back home. Uh, I went out to dinner with my mom and her boyfriend and like trying to explain chaps to them. It was. Honestly, like I'm, I, I was like, I don't even know where to where to start, guys. And they were love, but they loved it. Like you know, and they're, I don't know, they're old and lame. <laughs> they thought they thought everything I was telling them was hilarious. And that's why it's hard to like explain. Like even when you asked me earlier, like explain what you, it's like really difficult. Like even for me, and I'm I do it. Like I, it's hard to explain what. Like I don't know what I like. Kind of joke about everyone, but in a nice way. Like I try not to be a dickhead, you know, I think that's a big part of why, what makes my type of trolling a little bit different is I don't try to make people the butt of a joke really. So right. it's, it's yeah, hard it's never, to explain. It's never, mean, it's never mean spirited too. Like, and that is obviously another thing we talk about on this podcast all the time. Like, don't be an asshole, you know? And I, I would say like, for, for all the, for all the jokes that, that you do, you're never like actually, you know, a dick to somebody, you know, you're, 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 yeah, you're and a good I think dude, I troll you know? that per, I troll the person, even if I am trolling somebody else, I troll them in a way that I'm pretty confident they're never going to be aware that I am trolling them, where yeah. they leave the conversation thinking that they were right, which is the, the best. Like, they're like, well, I own that dude. I'm like, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, you did. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it's incredible so yeah like i said kind of kind of winding down here a little bit uh some of the more like some of the more normal questions that we ask on the podcast like is there anything chaps like that you see in the in the community because like i said i do i view you as an incredibly important part of it is there anything that you see you know on twitter in the industry that you don't really like um I think that it's actually gotten a lot better over the last year or so. Like there was a time probably a year and a half ago 
where it seemed like it was constantly arguing, like it, it was almost becoming to the point where you had to argue yourself to get, um, notice like you like people were dot adding somebody so they could prove how smart they were about this individual statistic and i think a lot of that has is kind of going away where or at least i've unfollowed the right people where that's kind of going away um i i would like to see less arguing and appreciating others thoughts on the idea like you can have a difference of opinion without being an asshole like you said and i don't think there's why you need to fight with somebody to the point where you're getting angry over a football decision or an opinion is pretty ridiculous to me. Um, so the less of that we see, I think that will be better as a community. Enjoy it as a game. Like I, I mean, fo- I do like to joke around and say that football is not a game, but remember <laughs> that, that it is and just have a good time with it, man. Like joke around with your friends online, throw around your fantasy football ideas and have a good time with it. Oh, for sure. That's, that was one thing on Friday. Like I got in a big discussion about Todd Gurley as a you know top as a first round pick or whatever in fantasy, and I I don't really I don't really think he he's one that I'm comfortable. Like my point was like I'm just not comfortable with it. But you know the whole time getting people like you know kind of not, I would say that I elicit a lot of positivity on Twitter, which is great. Um, you know people just kind of debating with me about it, not like in a mean spirited way. And like at the end of all these discussions, I'm just kind of like yeah, I mean look, if that's the way you think, like. Sure. It's, it's not something I'm going to be like, I think feel so strongly about this. Yeah, like I have to, knocking on their door like, you son of a bitch, I told you not to get girly. Oh, yeah, right. Right. Yeah. I totally got your ass, bitch. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like how stupid, like I think of, I think about that sometimes actively, like how stupid that would sound if I actually, you know, behave that way. It's, just don't say, yeah, yeah, let's say. <laughs> like that's what, like I used to give a lot more football opinions on Twitter and like I, you would get like, you, I'm sure you do a lot, like a, a year and a half later, like if you were wrong about somebody and they look it up and they're like, well, it looks like you missed the boat on this one. And you're like, Jesus, dude, like that's what you spent time doing right now was looking up my opinion of how what I thought Eric Decker was going to do in 2014. Like you're really right. doing that with your life. Yeah, seriously, get 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 some perspective here. Um, you really nailed it, man. He got three more touchdowns than I thought he was going to get in 2014. You really showed my ass. Yeah, right. Like I'll, I'll be sure to retire now. Uh, this my career is is finished. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. So we we kind of mentioned a little bit, or you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier about you know being yourself if you're trying to find a way into this space. Would you, if there are any other like aspiring writers listening? or just people that want to gain some sort of place in the community, what would be one of your biggest like, piece of advice, I guess? I find it weird when people will like try to get you to notice them by being rude. Like they'll like comment about like, they'll take something you and you're like, that sucks. Like, yeah, I notice you, but I immediately mute you. I don't even block you at this point. I want you to scream into the abyss and not even oh, know yeah. that you even affected my daily thought you know like the the mute button is a beautiful feature so if you're trying like be as complimentary and as nice as you can and then offer your insight in the tweets and i think you'll be you'll be good i mean everybody that's if you're nice to people generally in the football world and the football twitter world they're going to be nice to you um and just develop your own thing like be your own person be as real as you can and don't try to copy anybody else's stuff because you'll get caught in a minute (laughs) yeah that's that's for sure it's that's that's such a good point too about like 
like not blocking people. Like I try to, I mean, I don't really get, there's not a lot that bothers me and I don't get a lot of shit on Twitter anyways to block people, but there will occasionally like people will, if they're being rude to you, they'll be like, just block me already. I'm like, no, I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. Get out of here. Um, just yeah, throw them on the mute list and let them scream in the win. That's a good point too. But chaps, final question here. It's the one I always ask people that everybody seems to kind of hate, but I do anyways. Um, I always give the guests, you know, one last shot at the floor uh, before I rip it out from under you. So before we get out of here, the floor is yours to say literally whatever you want. All right. Usually whenever somebody gives me an opportunity, I like to talk about uh, veterans with PTSD or traumatic brain injury that are going through some stuff. If you're listening and going through some going through some shit, don't hold it to yourself. Go out and get some help. You can contact Military One Source. You can contact me on Twitter at Uncle Chaps. My direct messages are open at any time. Um, if you're struggling and you don't want to go get professional help, you just want to talk to somebody that's been there, hit me up and I'll be more than happy to talk to you. Don't 22 veterans kill themselves every single day and don't be one of those guys. That is a good uh, signing off point. Something that uh, I totally, totally agree with. Um, so if you are, if you are one of those people, absolutely contact chaps. If you're just a normal person going through, uh, going through struggles, hit me up too. I'm always happy to, uh, happy to talk about that as well. Um, but so that's, a, that's one of the better final thoughts that we've, uh, we've had on this show. So for chaps, I really want to thank everybody uh, for listening and, and thank you for coming on and, and sharing your perspective. It's uh it's a great, it's a great, it's a great honor thank to have you. chaps on my podcast. Yeah. Thanks for the invite to talk about how you got your job in the football world when I didn't even have one. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, for season two, maybe we'll, we'll have you on again and talk about your actual, uh, your actual opportunity. I'm excited to hear more about that, but for everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Um, we're, Probably only have about five more episodes left of, of season one before we have to close up shop for the NFL to take my life away forever, um, or at least for the next few, few months. But uh, continue to share and review the show, uh, rate it on iTunes, this, that, and the other, so we can get some more, we get some, you know, momentum, uh, which is real, by the way. Uh, closing down here on the final stretch and uh, and everything, and we'll we'll continue to do this thing up until the end. But so. For, for chaps, for me, thank you all for listening, and I hope you've learned something today.